0: Welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at pub quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren and I'm Julia.
1: Hey, Joel. Hi, Lauren. Uh, We are we are at the beginning of the month now. Yes. And uh, so far this year, for like half of the year, we've been doing well. Besides guest timber, right? We've been doing a (laughs)
0: guest.
1: It's my favorite thing. It's my favorite thing. Um, We have uh, a guest today, which we're very excited about. We do. It's been a while. It has been a while. Uh, So today we have uh, a very special guest, Bailey H., uh, coming to us uh, from... Well, actually, Bailey, tell us a little bit about yourself, because I'm not 100% sure where you live.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Bailey. Uh, I live in the south in Atlanta, the the hot, hot South Mm. Uh, Atlanta
0: that tourists call it. Yeah. I'm
2: sure you love people from there. Yeah. (laughs) When people say people don't call it that there, I'm like, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. Now we know somebody that does lives there. Yeah. Perfect. Um, Yeah. So I live here. I'm a civil engineer uh, and I focus mainly on stormwater design so like building ponds and keeping the puddles off the road that's cool um yeah so that's what i do and today i'm going to talk to you all about
1: math put numbers on the boards ballers i put numbers on the boards yes. yay this is our worst topic our worst topic and we previously had Eric C. talk to us about math, but this is like math part two. Ugh. Like, this is like, um, I would say this is like math 102 for us, I would I would assume. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we had math 101 with Eric, Yeah. and now we have math 102 with Bailey. So Ugh. thank you so much. Perfect. Is- and,
0: and people want to know more about math, and we are not the people to tell nope. them that. So no, we we're so not. glad that you're here. Yes. Thank
1: you so much.
2: And that's awesome because I'm also not a math person. I wasn't born one. I oh. became one. And... <laughs> I've always found that the world is divided into math people and non-math people, and all math classes are basically taught by math people, Mm. and I always wanted to learn from someone who didn't intuitively get it, but that wasn't really an option, so hopefully I can demystify things and, at the very least, not confuse people more uh, as we take a tour through my crazy brain (laughs) of math. Awesome. So... First, we're going to get started with some good trivia fodder. Uh, It didn't really fit prettily into my nice story, but it's stuff that comes up in trivia a lot. Uh, Sometimes you get a question and there's an overt hint in the question that the answer is going to involve some sort of prime number. Uh, They might say is a prime example of wink, wink. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I, I, I hope I remember what a prime number is. Well, prime numbers are numbers that can only be divided by itself and one. So by definition, one isn't a prime number, uh, but prime numbers constitute the building blocks of all whole numbers because if you divide down and keep dividing down, you end up with prime numbers. So that's why mathematicians are interested in them. If something works for all prime numbers, probably works for all numbers from here to infinity. Okay. Whoa.
0: Wow. Whoa. I know.
1: <laughs> She's dropping the I word early.
2: Infinity. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know how much I don't like thinking about time and space <laughs> as an infinite concept?
2: <laughs> the biggest prime number was actually just discovered... Uh, that we thought of so far, and it was 28 million digits long. <gasps> that's so many digits!
1: <laughs> <laughs> what, wow. What is that number even called?
2: Oh, I I didn't even look at it. Oh, okay. Just yeah. The, just well, the it's biggest so,
1: known prime, the biggest known <laughs> prime, 28
2: million digits <laughs> Holy long. Holy moly! So basically, the only way to pick out prime numbers is to start eliminating numbers. So you can throw out any number that's even.
0: Okay. And okay.
2: you can Throw out any number that ends in five. Ooh, all right. All right. Easy. <laughs> you <done>. can Yeah. <laughs> toss those out. Uh, then you can throw out any mirror numbers, like 55 and 77, because those are divisible by 11. Ooh, okay. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, with the numbers you have left, add up the digits and determine if that is divisible by three. So give me any whole number. <laughs>
0: Four hundred and one. Oh, good. Good job. Okay.
2: So four plus zero plus one equals five. Mm-hmm. And five isn't divisible by three. So that's still in the running.
1: Ooh, oh, All okay. right. Okay.
2: All right. But a number like. 81. 81. Yeah. Eight plus one is nine. So nine is divisible by three. So 81 is also divisible by three. You can throw that out. Okay, great. And okay. with the numbers you have left, You can try and divide those by seven because I don't know any good rules for that. And (laughs) (laughs) then the numbers you have left will likely be prime numbers. That's cool.
1: Oh, shortcut. A shortcut. Because I was, when people say prime numbers, I'm like, oh, I don't, that's not, I never learned that and I probably never will. So (laughs) someone, I could probably call on someone else to figure that out for me.
2: (laughs) You're like, those are. Prime numbers are really good numbers. They are <laughs> the best top. The best top. Primo. Top. <laughs> primo numbers. Uh, another favorite term in trivia is factorial, uh, which is an exclamation point. So if you see an exclamation point point in trivia, get excited because you're about to get the answer right. Oh, oh yes.
1: ooh, okay.
2: How? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they represent, uh, the product of an integer and all the integers below it. So the factorial of 4 would be 4 times 3 times 2 times 1, or 24. And the most common use of factorials are in permutations and combinations, which are two ways to measure possibilities. So with combinations, order doesn't matter. So it's like if you said we have 16 available pizza option toppings, how many sets of three toppings are available to us it doesn't matter the order at which you put on pepperoni or mushrooms Mm. it's just groups Mm -hmm. however permutations the order does matter so that's Um. like if you knew all you're like I know the seven numbers that are in this person's phone number but I don't remember what the phone number is you better not switch up the numbers because you won't get to them Yeah, you can't
0: like eliminate something as you're um, trying to fill out somebody's phone number because it could be any of the numbers.
2: Yes. Right. Uh, And so locker combinations should really be called locker permutations. (laughs) Uh I like it. Okay, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Because order matters.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is like whenever you would get a math problem that was like, she has five shirts and three pairs of pants and four pairs of socks and... Two pairs yeah. of shoes. Yeah. How many different outfit combinations can she put together?
1: Yeah. And then the way I would solve that is that I would hand draw all of those things and yeah. then just draw a <laughs> bunch of lines and then be like, I don't know, fifty? Then- <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. I stopped at fifty. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Show your work. That it seems it'll be real. fine. That seems real I
2: also ran out of time. <laughs> so now uh we go into symbols. Uh which do you think came first? The equal sign? Are the plus sign?
1: Ooh, like in like in history?
2: Yeah, the way we use them today.
1: Okay. Oh, oh I never thought ooh, of that my God. before. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say plus sign. Okay. Yeah.
0: I guess I'll, I'll. You don't
1: have to. You don't have to.
0: No. I think yeah. Plus sign sounds good okay. to me
1: too.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yes. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so Johannes Widman in 1526 published uh, the first plus sign and also the minus sign together. Heavy hitter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Math people just have like shrines to him. Yeah,
2: (laughs) Yeah,
1: little candles. You'd be like, oh, yes, the plus sign.
2: Yay. And then uh, the equal sign was invented almost 30 years later, uh, or introduced rather, by Robert Record. And up until that point, people would just leave spaces where the equal sign would go today or they would write is equal to or will simplify to out in words. Okay. Uh, but he was writing a book and he got sick of writing <laughs> equal to like 2000 times. Right. So he drew two parallel lines because he wrote no two things can be more equal. Ooh. Oh, I like it. That's good. And I had never thought of it that way, I guess like, Oh, those lines are the sides of the equations. They're equal to each other.
1: Oh, uh, neither had we. Clearly oh, neither <laughs> had we until this very moment, Bailey. Oh my god.
2: <laughs> Fun fact, uh before he got into mathematical notation, he wrote his first book about urine. About urine? Like
1: the yes. like the waste product in yes. in mammals? He wasn't <laughs> selling
0: a lot though. Wasn't selling a lot of books on urine. So just, he pivoted.
2: Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it just goes to show that sometimes you have to sacrifice what you love. Oh, isn't
1: that true? Poor guy. He was like,
2: oh, man, I,
1: I I made my money on math, but my first love was pee.
2: Yeah. I still kept it as a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> but a man's got to eat. Yeah, a
1: man's got to eat. He's got to feed his family.
2: Yeah. Uh, So now we get into our our story portion. Um, A few hundred years after Pythagoras was around, uh, this guy named Eratosthenes of Alexandria uh, calculated the Earth's circumference within about 15% using uh, stick-in-the-ground, middle school-level math, and a little bit of money.
0: Well, Mm -hmm. the money part. That's good. Good for him.
2: Yeah. And that's sort of a common theme uh, with most of the mathematicians we're going to talk about because I'm sure there were people that were just as smart as these people, but they were focused, I don't know, on surviving and feeding their families. (laughs) They didn't have servants to take care of them while they, you know, dropped heavy balls from buildings. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So he heard that. On June 21st, in the nearby city of Sionis, Egypt, he heard that at noon, the sun would be directly overhead and would shine down a well, and you could see the complete bottom of the well. It was completely uh, illuminated down there. There are no shadows being cast. And so he was like, huh, that's cool. That must mean that the rays are coming in directly 90-degree angle. So I wonder if that would happen here because that city's pretty close. So he waited until June 21st. He stuck a stick in the ground, and at noon, it did cast a shadow, and he measured that uh, angle between the top of the stick and the shadow, and that measured to 7.2 degrees, or 1/50th of a circle. Okay. Wow. Wow. He then hired a guy. So this is where the money comes in to walk to say and count of steps because if you know the length of each step you take you can multiply that by the number of steps you take and you end up with a distance yes okay okay, okay.
0: can you imagine can you imagine having to keep track of the number of
1: steps you've taken yeah <laughs> and then someone walks by and is like talking to somebody else and you're like oh come on
2: i gotta start <laughs> over again i lost my count yeah <laughs> you're like god i I imagine that he must have maybe made up a part of the number. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. It was something like 5,000. Whatever, like, man. Really? He just went drinking. Yeah, exactly. Did.
1: Took a detour.
2: Um, so that guy came back and he reported 5,000 stadia, which is 500 miles. So he must have been waiting for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He's like, I wonder if that guy I hired died or just ran off of my money.
1: 500 miles. Yeah, walked. And then he gets there and he's like, all all right, I guess I'm going to turn around and go back.
2: (laughs) He's got to get home. Well, he walked back and he counted his steps back as well.
1: Oh, to like double check? Yeah. Oh, wow.
0: So he walked 500 miles and then he walked 500 more just (laughs) to be the guy that showed up at... Yes,
2: Aristotle's house.
1: That's very good.
2: good. (laughs) That song was written about (laughs) Aristotle. Yeah. (laughs) Little do you know. So he knew that seven point two degrees equaled five thousand stadia, and he also knew because he wasn't an idiot that the Earth was round.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Some very classical shade, being yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um. A lot of people knew that at that time. Yeah. Uh, and that there were 360 degrees in a circle. So he set up a ratio, 7.2 degrees over 5,000 stadia equals 360 degrees over X. He solves for X and he gets the circumference of the Earth.
1: Wow. Whoa.
2: Whoa. Whoa. I was not, What? That was not, I was not,
1: I was not thinking we were going there, but that's we went there. That's a lot of calculations. Wow. That's a lot of calculations. He, cool. he calculated the, the, circumference of the earth. That's amazing. Well, he really did it in just like two steps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe who was the first guy to think of that. Well, it was a long time ago. There were fewer people back then. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> and now he's known as the father of geography. That's cool. Love it. So how did Aristosthenes come up with the angle of that shadow? By using Sokotoa, of course. (gasps)
0: Yeah. yeah. Sokotoa. Sokotoa. Our favorite mnemonic.
2: (laughs) Mnemonic? (laughs) Is it? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love Sokotoa. I use it a lot. Maybe every day. Wow. Uh, That's nice. Do y'all remember what it stands for? Sign. Uh Opposite. Yeah. Angle. Adjacent.
1: Uh, don't look at me because I, uh, the, the S, the C
0: and the T are sine, cosine and tangent. And uh-huh. then the other, um, letters in there are to remind you which ones you should be using it on.
2: Yes. Yeah, exactly. So in his case, he uses, so, so is S O H for the sine of an angle is equal to opposite over hypotenuse. Okay. Ca C-A-H is cosine of an angle equals adjacent over hypotenuse. And tangent, TOA, T-O-A, is tangent of an angle equals opposite over adjacent. So as long as you know two of those values, you can solve for the other one. So in his case, he used TOA because he wanted to know uh, the angle between the top of the stick and the shadow because he had formed uh, a right angle with the bottom of the stick in the ground. And so Katoa only applies to right angles. I mean, right triangles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and you can make right triangles out of just about anything to solve any problem.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> <needs to> solve <laughs> any problem? Any problem.
2: Yeah. My <laughs> any therapist problem. is very aggravated that I keep saying that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know you have some some
0: underlying conflicts with your mother, but have you tried taking a couple of sticks and measuring the angles? Have you tried yeah. Sakatoa? <laughs> have we tried this? I love it. That sounds like
1: a, an ad we could do mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah, write that down for our, for our next, for our 200th
2: episode. <laughs> yeah. So, his, um, the shadow, he could measure that length, and that was opposite of the angle. He knew the length of the stick which was adjacent to the angle. So he was able to take the inverse tangent and find the angle. Um, Inverse of a trig function is basically just the way you move it to the other side of the equation so that the degree is by itself. Okay. And then, fast forward a lot, like 1630s, you get uh, Descartes.
1: Oh, yeah. Our
2: boy. Yeah. Yeah. What a a guy. (laughs) René.
1: we call yeah. him. Yeah, we call him. Renee. Oh yeah,
2: first name base. <laughs> uh, he was laying in bed, which he liked to do, all the time. Mm, who does? Both. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he would work in bed a lot, and we'll get to that a little later. But he <laughs> he observed um, a fly on the ceiling, and he thought, "Man, if I drew like two lines that crossed each other, I could describe mathematically where this fly is at any given time." So I could say, "Oh, he's two to the right and three notches up." Okay. And that led into his development of Cartesian coordinates, which he humbly named after himself. himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never heard about that fly.
0: No, I never That's heard about. That's not fly as thing exciting either. as an origin story as some of these other guys. I think.
1: But, no. No. Oh hey. yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and this would actually. Uh, lead to the connection between algebra and euclidean geometry so people are like whoa now i can graph all these fancy equations that i've been writing in algebra so he really liked to stay up late until midnight or so and then he would sleep until lunchtime (laughs) and then he would lay around in bed for a while working (laughs) until he was ready to take on the day
1: Which of Uh, (laughs) which there are only like two hours of daylight left. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) So uh, this was really weird at the time because he wasn't up like binging TV shows. Everyone was like, oh, sun's down. I'm bored and I'm tired. I'm going to bed. Uh, I don't want to waste my candles just reading. Yeah. But he had no problem with that until um, Queen Christina of Sweden persuaded him to move to Stockholm to tutor her. Uh, He had to adjust to her schedule, so she was a very early riser, uh, getting up at like five o'clock every morning. So a few months into his new schedule, uh, Descartes catches pneumonia and dies. Oh, jeez. And some doctors and historians think that the dramatic shift in his sleeping schedule might have weakened his immune system. Oh, my God. It just goes to show.
0: He couldn't think anymore. Therefore, he wasn't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> no. I'll see my way out.
2: <laughs> it's my show now. <laughs> so if anybody wants to get you up early, you just tell them that it might kill you. Yes. You're a genius and you might die. That's. I'm definitely going to use that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're like, don't Christina me. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to die of no. pneumonia. Do you want me to die of pneumonia? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I will be in bed until 11 a.m. <laughs> yeah.
2: Do not bother me. Thank you. Do not try to rouse me. <laughs> Fast forward a little bit more and you get to Newton, uh, who's known as the father of calculus. Uh, we know about Newton, but did you know that he's a big time sinner? Sinner? Ooh. Like, yes. Of Tell God? us more. We love that yeah, yeah. We love that. I know. Gossip. So. When he was about 19 or 20, he sat down and he wrote down 57 sins that he's guilty of. Um, and there are some doozies on here. Like, he set a mousetrap on Sunday. <gasps> what? Oh, my god! I think
1: we need to edit that out because that's so yeah. horrible.
2: While Where- you're at it, edit this out. He ate an apple in church. In church? Inside in of church? church? He did. Wow. Yes. A crunchy <laughs> apple in church? Incredible. <laughs> and on the second day...
1: exactly that is a sin if i ever heard one
2: some of his sins were a little bit braggy like um i was up late on saturday night and it went up into sunday evening because i was reading about the christian heroes okay i'm like okay (laughs) 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 the worst one on here which is also my favorite was that he threatened uh to burn down his father and his stepmother's house while they were still inside.
1: Okay, okay that's a real yeah. thing. That's burying the okay. lead. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like, Let me think of my sins. Um, well, I ate an apple in church. Yeah, uh, uh, what else? I stayed up too late reading about uh, ooh, religion. I set a mousetrap on a Sunday. That's <sighs> terrible. <sighs> um, what else? What else? What else? I oh, there was that
0: one time I told my parents I was going to
1: set their house. On fire, I was going to kill them the... in, in a fire. What else? But
2: also. Um, um, <laughs> Like, (laughs) Like, I I volunteer too much. Uh, Sometimes I I do set
1: fires. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I pray too hard. Yeah. Sometimes that happens. Wow. Newton. Newton. Dark, dark undertones for that man. Yeah.
2: So he discovered calculus while he was uh, at home on a break from university because of a little thing called the bubonic plague that was you know, tearing up Europe. Sure. Sweeping the nation. Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) So he had to go home.
2: (laughs) He had to go home. And that's where he was inspired by watching an apple tree growing at his house. Apple fell. Um, And he had been thinking about the basis for calculation, like calculus for a while, Mm -hmm. but this sort of set off the series of events that got him to actually work it out. Okay. Um, And calculus actually comes from the Latin for pebble used for counting. Mm -hmm. Um, And the apple tree that was so instrumental in him publishing his principles, uh, they're descendants of that tree throughout six continents. Oh, cool. Wow. Yeah. Uh, It's a flower of Kent apple tree. uh, But if you want to get one, you really want it to be real. (laughs) Oh, sure. So do your homework. Okay. The National Research Council of Canada learned that they did not have a real Newton tree. And not only that, they didn't even have a flower of Kent tree. Wow. You think
1: they would have gotten a (laughs) a botanist in there to at least double check?
2: Yeah. They have a few floating around, I'm Mm -hmm. sure. Uh, The Secretary General of the NRC joked that uncovering the truth felt like killing Bambi's mother.
0: Wow. (laughs) Very dramatic. Yeah. Canadians. (laughs) Jeez, Canada. (laughs)
2: And that man's name was Dick Bourgeoisie Doyle. That's what such a great name. name. Yeah. That sounds fake. That, that does sound that fake. That sounds like what you're checking
0: in at the hotel as. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that whole story was just so I could say his name. <laughs> Girl, I it doesn't matter how you
0: get there. Yeah. yeah. doesn't
2: matter.
0: <laughs> we love podcast silly podcast
2: was just so I could say that weird name. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so getting into the nitty-gritties of calculus, um, in algebra, you learn to take a slope of a line using rise over run. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that slope tells you the rate of change. In a large part, that's what calculus is. But instead of saying slope, we call it the derivative of a function.
1: Okay. Throwing a
0: lot more words in there now. Yeah, yeah.
2: I think I'm following. (laughs) I think I'm going along. So we can take the slope of not just a straight line, but a curvy, crazy line um, by zooming in until it looks like a straight line, and then we take the slope at that point. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's that's what a derivative is. Um, but what is acceleration?
0: Okay. <gasps> Force and mass is it involved in acceleration, right? Don't don't look
2: at As me. I made oh, yeah. yeah, but like intuitively, if you're accelerating your car,
0: increase in speed.
2: Yes, yeah, you're just increasing velocity. Okay. So if you're putting the pedal to the metal, you're getting velocity a lot more quickly than if you were just barely putting your foot on the gas. Okay. Uh, to think about this graphically, imagine you're in a car going down a ramp. Uh, when the clock starts, you're not moving. And then every second, someone takes a snapshot of your speedometer.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: After two seconds have passed, you look down and your speedometer says 15 miles an hour. After four seconds have passed, you look down and you see that you're going 40 miles per hour, so on and so forth. The speedometer itself is giving you the rate at which you're changing your position. Okay. So, okay. So it's taking the derivative of your position with respect to time, oh, with mad wow. respect. Wow. <laughs> mad <Whoa>. respect. <laughs> 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 now, if you plotted your time along the x-axis, that's the one that lays down flat, mm-hmm. and your velocity along the y-axis and you took the slope at any point, that would be the instantaneous acceleration at that point.
0: So you should just be able to, like if you have a few basic uh, points already, you should be able to calculate like what it would be later on. Yeah, you can predict. Yeah,
2: exactly. And the more snapshots you have, the more accurate that's going to be. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Conversely, if you started with your velocity graph, you could calculate the area under the curve between any two points. Let's say between two seconds and five seconds, you calculate the area under the curve. Um, That would represent the distance you traveled over that interval of time. Oh, okay. Okay, all right. Because you would be taking, it would form like a triangle, and you would be multiplying feet per second times second. The seconds cancel out, you're left with feet. Okay, okay. Oh, that's the best part of math,
0: though, is being able to cancel stuff out. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Cross it out. (laughs) Yeah, We don't need this anymore. Nope, not anymore. And taking the area under the curve, um, that's integration. So those are the two main things that drive calculus is integrals and derivatives. And that's basically... Piece of uh, cake. Yeah, piece of cake. (laughs) Yeah. Y'all are basically (laughs) like physics majors now.
1: Oh, my gosh. I'm going to tell my Uh, husband he's going to be so proud of me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And notice that I said uh, velocity most of the time there because, and not speed, because speed is just how fast you're going. Okay. So it's a measure of magnitude, uh, which is also known as a scalar value. Uh, With velocity, you have to specify not only how fast you're going, but also the direction you're moving in. Oh, okay. Because velocity is a vector. Uh, Vectors have direction and scalars do not. This becomes especially important if then you're, imaginary dream car you're driving straight due north and then you slightly turn your wheel to the right and keep driving uh by doing that even though your speed stays the same your velocity would be different because you just added velocity to the east and took away velocity from the north okay
1: whoa whoa (laughs) wow i feel like now if i were to
2: drop a feather and a bowling ball from the Empire State Building, Mm -hmm. which do you think would hit the ground first?
0: I think we think that the bowling ball would hit the ground first. But I
1: think that's a trick question because they fall at the same rate and so they both hit the ground at the same time, correct? We have two answers here.
2: That is very (laughs) smart and they're both right. So, (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Hooray! So in the world we live in, the feather would hit the ground last because of air resistance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's just cascading down and the force exerted upwards due to air resistance is about equal to um, the the feather's weight. So it's just sort of cascading down and the ball just falls. However, if we were to take air resistance away and we were to drop them in a perfect vacuum, Mm -hmm. they would fall and hit the ground at the same time. Okay. Which I saw, have you seen a video of this? It's crazy looking.
0: Oh, no, No, I haven't. It's really
2: cool. You're like making me think of a whole new world
0: of like YouTube videos that I should get into. (laughs)
1: Like vacuum experiments. Vacuum experiments. Yeah. Very niche.
2: But (laughs) if you think heavier objects uh, fall faster, you're not alone. Uh, Aristotle thought that too. And he actually used the same analogy of a feather, but instead of a bowling ball, he used a cannonball. Mm, Sure, sure. Same diff. Yeah. Uh, To test the limits of this, uh, Galileo wasn't buying it. He took two cannonballs of different masses to the top of the Tower of Pisa and dropped them, uh, and they landed about the same time. Okay. Uh, That's because their acceleration due to gravity is the same. And that value is approximately 9.81 meters per second squared, or 32.2 feet per second squared. Uh, These are two values I will never, ever forget because that's how uh, you calculate the weight of an object. Oh, okay. Because weight is a force. Mm -hmm. So it is um, mass uh, times gravitational acceleration. And mass and weight are different. Um, And it's really tricky because we use the terms interchangeably. Um, When we refer to our weight, we're usually... We're actually referring to uh, pounds of force and kilograms of force. Uh, the units of mass are slug in the English units, <laughs> Yeah. slug and um, kilograms mass in um,
0: in the metric system. Yeah, in the yeah. metric system,
2: the SI units. Cool. So what
1: what you're saying is, the more you weigh, the more force you have. Oh yeah. So you have a <laughs> lot of force. So instead of you just tell you, you know, your doctor will tell you, like, hey, you, you got more force than last year. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> That's a much better way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. I'm getting so many flashbacks to, like, high school physics and, like, having to draw the arrows for all the forces oh, on things yeah. in mm-hmm. the and, different directions and then having to calculate all that in order to get your answer.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And your mass... um, is like the same no matter where you go, but your weight can change. So if you were to go up to the moon, your mass would be the same, but you would weigh a lot less because the gravitational acceleration is much lower on the moon. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And this brings me to some great news. Ooh. And that is you can lose weight easily and effortlessly by moving closer to the equator and moving on top of a mountain. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah.
1: all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, again, next Um, time your doctor's like you need to lose some force, you can be like, well, then I'm moving to Costa Rica.
2: um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) See ya. My doctor said I had to. Wow. I never thought of it like that either. Yeah. Uh, Recent gravity maps have shown that the gravitational acceleration on Earth is greatest at the poles and weakest at high altitudes in the equator. So by moving from the Arctic to the mountaintops of uh, Peru... You could lose 1% of your body weight. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> what if I moved there five times? <laughs> <laughs> so now we move on uh, to the Bernoulli's. Um, they were a really powerful math family in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> of
1: course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, powerful. Italy,
0: known for their exports, mob bosses, math families.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they the were like fans. the Coppolas of the math world, yeah. like multi-generational, all heavy hitters. Wow. Um, th- there could really be a whole episode just about them. Uh, I wanted to focus on Daniel Bernoulli. Um, he stuck a pipe or like a open-ended straw into a pipe that was running along the ground. Um, And he noticed that the height of the fluid that went into the straw corresponded to the pressure in the pipe. Oh, okay. So doctors heard about this, and they were like, that's an awesome idea. We're going to start poking our patient's veins with sharp-ended glass tubes in order to take their blood pressure.
1: <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's <a> Great
2: <laughs> idea, guys. Yeah.
1: Oh, That sounds awful.
2: Yeah. And it's like hey doc, I'm here because like I've been having some chest pains and he's like, okay, we'll just take your blood pressure and you're like, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) I'll die instead. I'll die instead. (laughs) Uh, And this insanity went on uh, until almost the year 1900. What? Oh my
0: gosh. Ugh. See, you'd think that that would just be like, oh, they did this for a couple years
2: and they
1: figured out a better way to do it. And then someone was like, please don't do this anymore. Yeah.
2: (laughs) They're like, hey, we can just use a cuff, yeah, (laughs) and (laughs) And squeeze your arm a little bit. Um, He, Daniel Bernoulli, also uh, published a principle uh, conservation of energy that related to fluids, uh, particularly that if the velocity of a fluid increases, then the pressure decreases, and vice versa. Okay. Okay. And we can see this all the time. Like, have you ever um, heard a water hammer in your pipes? Oh, yeah, like, like your, your ooh, yeah. pipes knocking. Yeah. Yeah, like when they knock, um, that's because if you shut the valve or turn it on, let's say you shut the valve too quickly, um, you kind of create like uh, a traffic jam in your pipe because all the water's moving out, moving out, and then the person at the front of the line suddenly stops and everybody stops behind them. And then <laughs> the velocity energy, the energy do. velocity uh, turns into pressure energy, and it sends a shock wave through the pipe and will knock it. Oh, that's kind of cool. How about that? (laughs) And then uh, Bernoulli's contemporary and friend, Leonard Euler, was also a big time (laughs) hotshot. He popularized mathematical notation that we still use today, like the pi symbol to denote the ratio of a circle circumference to its diameter. Um, He was the first to use the little I to describe the square root of negative one. And he established X, Y, and Z to describe unknown variables.
1: Wow. See, Look at this. This is amazing.
2: (laughs) Euler made some huge strides in geometry, optics, fluids, and so many other fields. Um, He suffered some problems with his right eye that progressed throughout his career. Um, and portraits, you can see him squinting his eye pretty dramatically. Um, <laughs> He's not family... just giving the saucy wink to the portraitist. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I might have like made an insensitive joke about him when I first saw his portrait because I'm like, what is he doing? Like Clint Eastwooding with his gaze yeah. <laughs> But um, his family even bore a double name, uh, Euler Scholpe, uh, the latter of which derives uh, from a word for squint-eyed, cross-eyed, or crooked. Oh no! <laughs> <That's nice>. Rude. <laughs> um, for this reason, uh, his employer Frederick the Great thought it would be cute and appropriate to call Euler his cyclops. Aw,
1: that's mean.
2: That's so mean. Can't help that he's, he's got like, a bad eye. <laughs> <laughs> um, employees probably didn't find Frederick that great <laughs> for a few reasons. <laughs> Uh, one being his cute nicknames, and the other being his unrealistic expectations. Uh, Euler inherited a project in which Frederick the Great wanted um, a fountain to shoot water a hundred feet in front of his castle, <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> and he was trying to compete with uh, Versailles, I think. Oh okay. sure, yeah. A few, aren't we all? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a few other engineers had come before and failed, um, and so. Euler took a look at it, and he was in his element because him and his good old pal, Danny Bernoulli, were always talking about fluids. Um, He gave his suggestions and his calculations to Frederick, who I assume just threw them directly in the garbage. uh, (laughs) Because he didn't follow that advice, uh, and ended up abandoning the project uh, some years later. uh, In a letter to his BFF, Voltaire, Frederick the Great would nonetheless blame Euler for the failure of the project, even though Euler, his name had not appeared in the construction reports. He was barely involved at all, but uh, a lot of historians for a long time thought that Euler just didn't know what he was doing. And that was why the fountains failed. Oh, wow. Uh, That's rude. He couldn't help it. Mean. However, this equation, uh, this failure served fluid mechanics in the end because Uh, It led to Euler's development of equations that described uh, fluid motion of fluids that were inviscid, which means they weren't viscous. So lava is super viscous because it's resistant to flow. Mm -hmm. It's thick and it barely rolls. Um, He assumed that whatever liquid was flowing through the system was inviscid, so had no viscosity, uh, which that provided a basis for later people applied viscosity and friction and everything on top of it to be the equations we use in, uh, fluid mechanics today. Oh, wow.
1: Cool. So something good came out of it, even though he didn't finish the fountain.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, and it turns out Frederick was just kind of cheap with it and that (laughs) (laughs) ended up making him having to spend more money and he hired contractors that didn't know what they were doing. Um, And Frederick also wanted his experts that he hired to be part of his academy to be really interesting and funny and great conversationalists, and Euler was just not that guy. Um, (laughs) He was only interested in God, uh, math, science, and his 13 kids. Oh! (laughs) Seems like
1: he had a couple other interests, too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he may not have been a brilliant conversationalist, but his wife seemed like she...
2: She had a good time.
1: Yeah, she was doing okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Hopefully. (laughs) Although only uh, five of those kids would survive into adulthood. Um, And also, Frederick didn't really get math. Uh, He said it really dried him out uh, in in his letters. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he was like, I just don't get this guy. Uh, So it was no wonder that Euler's chances for advancement within the academy were limited. And he went back home to St. Petersburg uh, after working for Frederick for a number of years. Um, in 1771, he had surgery on a cataract that had developed in his good non-cyclop's eye. Aww. And it worked.
1: Oh, uh, good.
2: For a few days. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> uh but he had failed to follow the care instructions provided oh, by his doctor and became completely blind. Oh,
1: no. Oh. See, and that is why you always follow the instructions of your doctor, especially after a major surgery, everyone. You
2: heard exactly. it here. And yeah. imagine this doctor, he's like, this is awesome. Like, I've cured this guy. And he's like, oh, no, I can't see. I didn't, like, wash my eye or whatever he was <laughs> <to do. laughs> Great. Yeah. Now everybody's going to know me as a guy who, ruined Euler's eye (laughs) good eye yeah it's good um however as he was going blind he would say things like oh well it's fine because now i have fewer distractions um bless his heart and after becoming completely blind his productivity reached an all-time high wow yeah and i can't imagine how his brain must be to i have to you know, write these things out so I can refer back to lines of reasoning that happened like twenty-five lines ago. Mm-hmm. But he's able to keep it all in his head and dictate it to his helpers. Um, in fact, about half of his total publications were written in the ten or so years that followed his surgery. Oh um, after his death, his, his papers continued to be published for about fifty more years. Wow! Oh my gosh! So that was
1: like a prince's vault
2: situation.
1: Yeah, yeah. They were like, oh man, did you hear about that new release, that new Euler release? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 exactly.
2: Uh now let's talk about a lady.
1: Oh yes. Okay.
2: Yes. This lady's name is Emily Duchalat. And um her interest in math started young and there are mixed accounts about her mother's attitude towards Emily's uh interest in math. Uh But by almost all accounts, her father enabled her studies. Uh, She, of course, was rich, so she could afford to have the best tutors in the world. Uh, She could fence and ride a horse and a lot of other things that women just weren't allowed to do at the time. Um, When she was about 18, she married some dude um, who was always away, which suited her fine. uh, (laughs) Because she wanted to do her experiments and talk to scientists and sleep around.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, oh okay that's yeah. your dream all right oh yeah. man <laughs> uh
2: unfortunately history remembers her mainly for her affairs um especially her most high profile affair with voltaire oh, so voltaire man. voltaire affair mm-hmm. <laughs> and it also wasn't a secret that she was with voltaire and i don't think many or if any of her affairs were uh, secret because Voltaire, like, lived with her at her husband's estate. Uh, so, you know, just different times. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> f- fewer people know her for becoming the first woman to be published by the French Academy of Science. Ooh. Oh, all right. And this was a really big deal because 200 years later, uh, the Academy would turn Marie Curie away for being a woman. Right. Oh, yeah, of course. But no one better than I. Um, and letting Emily in because she was so well-connected. Everybody loved her. Beautiful, flirtatious, could ride a horse, loved to have sex, you know. Yeah. What's yeah. To- and-
1: <laughs> they were like, yeah, let her in. Yeah. See her on that- Did you see her on that horse? Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, Emily even corrected uh, a mistake Newton had made concerning the relationship between mass and energy. Um, she debated this change, and it would... Uh, ultimately contribute to Einstein's E equals MC square equation many years later. That's awesome. That's great. Good for Uh, her. Yeah. When she was in her forties, she got pregnant and she knew that that was basically a death sentence. Um, So she started working 18 hours a day to finish what would be her crowning achievement. uh, The translation of Newton's Principia Mathematica to French. Um, It's still the only, it's still the standard used in France today. Oh, wow that's awesome Uh, yes and she not only translated the work but provided proofs and commentary that led the French to ultimately accepting Newton's ideas because uh, some people could translate the English into French but they were still like no I'm just gonna stick with Descartes uh I don't I don't care for Newton but she contextualized it for them his cookies are terrible They
1: are terrible. (laughs) Yep. I'm not a fan of figs.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So now I have a quiz. Ooh, Ooh, wonderful. Very exciting. Yes. That was awesome. We're going to learn some other tidbits as well on here. Question one, which is more pizza? One 18 inch pizza or two 12 inch pizzas? Number two, this novel won the 1982 Nobel Prize for Literature and is the third most translated Spanish book, according to UNESCO. Number three. The only president to publish a geometry proof is... Number four. This pop culture icon came under fire in 1992 for saying, math class is tough. Number five. The obelisk is also known as what mathematical symbol? Number 6. Edward James Almos played an AP Calculus teacher in what 80s movie? Number 7. Dyscalculia is a learning disorder categorized by a child's inability or struggle with basic arithmetic and numbers in general, sometimes called math dyslexia. Experts estimate that approximately how many elementary school students suffer from dyscalculia? A between one to five percent, B between five to 10 percent, or C between 10 to 15 percent. Number eight. The abiska and ordinate are the alternative name for what duo. Number nine. Don't be scared. This form of algebra is centered around three simple words or, and, and not. Number 10. Which is longer, a nautical mile or a statute mile?
0: We'll give you about a minute to think, and then we'll be back with the answers. want to know how to rhyme, you better learn how to add. It's Mathematics. It's mighty most definite. It's Simple Mathematics. Check it out. All, of, all science.
1: What are we talking about here? Mighty most def- It's Simple
0: Mathematics. To every story, three strikes and you fitting for life. Mandatory, four MCs murdered in the last four years. I ain't trying to be the fifth when the millennium is here. Yo, six million ways to die from the seven deadly grills. Eight-year-olds getting found with nine mills. It's 10 p.m. where your C's at. What's the deal? He on the hill pumping grills to keep their bellies filled. in the ass with heavy still. Sights on the pretty shit in life. Young soldiers trying to earn a next strike. When the average minimum wage is five fifteen. you best believe you gotta find a new grind. To get. All right. Ooh, These are all right. I feel like I should have some pencil and paper. I know. But right? no, I'm going to just use my brain. If no. Euler didn't
1: need a, yeah, he didn't Euler need yeah. paper. If Euler didn't need paper or two working eyes, we <laughs> can figure we this out. We have four times as many eyes as he did. A hundred percent. So I think we can do this. I think we can do this. All right, Bailey. All right. give us the Give us the questions one more time.
2: Okay. Number one, which is more pizza? One 18 eighteen-inch pizza
1: or two twelve-inch pizzas? Okay. Okay. Two pi r squared. Oh. <laughs> See, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just thinking about food. So, <laughs> so, all right. I think I think the answer that they want you to think is go the with two pizzas. Is the two pizzas? But I think it might be the one
0: pizza, the eighteen-inch pizza.
1: Okay. I'm I'm on board with that. I
2: think it's like a tricksy question. So okay. yeah.
1: We're going to say.
0: We're going to say one 18-inch pizza.
2: Yes. Yes. That's right. Um, I don't have the exact numbers, but that's right. <laughs> uh, number two. This novel won the 1982 Nobel Prize for Literature and is the third most translated Spanish book according to UNESCO. Hmm. So a novel. 1982.
1: Maybe with like a math. Is it? I'm um, So I'm thinking maybe it's Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Uh-huh. Uh, what do we got? We got love in the time of cholera. All right, we've got a thousand years of solitude.
0: Ooh, that sounds good. Do
1: you think it's a thousand years of solitude? Because there's a number in there. There is a number, and in maybe that. he's a mathematician in the book. I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, that's a good guess. Okay, we're gonna say Gabriel Garcia Marquez is a thousand years of solitude. It's actually a hundred <laughs> years of solitude. <laughs> I went too far. That was the sequel. Yeah. That was the sequel. It's way more years of <laughs> solitude. He was, he was like, 100 years is pretty good, but I'm going
0: to you know go even better. farther.
1: Yeah,
2: 100 years of solitude. 100 years of solitude. Great.
0: We'll remember that now.
2: Yeah. Uh, who is the only president to publish uh, geometry proof? Hmm. This is all usual. This is a good question. Yeah, I love um,
0: presidential trivia. So I'm thinking, oh boy,
1: who who seemed like they liked geometry? Who liked geometry? So we can uh b- well we can knock out Teddy Roosevelt. He was an action man. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. Wasn't a math guy.
0: I'm gonna say it's not in the 20th century. Oh, you're gonna, I'm gonna, say gonna say go early. back. I'm okay. gonna go back.
1: Alright, all right, all right. All right. Um, it's not your boy. Not my boy
0: Grover. Uh how Ooh.
1: Mm. What? How about Abraham Lincoln?
2: Oh, okay. Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Let's say Abraham Lincoln. Uh, What if I said that um, he hated Mondays and loved lasagna?
0: Garfield. Yeah, (laughs)
2: Garfield. Close. Very close. Very close. close. Very close to (laughs) Lincoln. James
1: Garfield, huh? There
2: you go. Uh, Number four. This pop culture icon came under fire in 1992 for saying math class is tough. I know this one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. So it's
0: Barbie. It is Barbie. Yes. So uh, side story with that. So um, in, <laughs> in 1992, 1993, there was a, a guerrilla art collective called the Barbie Liberation Organization. And so they didn't like that, you know, the Barbie dolls was saying things like this, like math is tough. I love going shopping. Let's yeah. go to the mall. So what they did is they planned this project where they would send people out to the toy stores to buy the Teen Talk Barbie Barbie doll and Um, a G.I. Joe, like Duke Nukem doll that talked. And so they would purchase those, bring them back home, and then they had instructions how to swap their voice boxes. So that instead, like, it was just like big burly G.I. Joe man that would say things like, "Mm, I love wearing shoes. And like the, and they would have the Barbie being like, vengeance is mine. So this was called like reverse shoplifting, basically, because then the people who did the project would take it back into the store and then they would put it on the shelf. And so it was kind of like, you know the Toys R Us was making money twice off these things because somebody bought it the first time and then they put it back on the shelf for somebody to purchase again and so it was like this short-lived like guerrilla art project called the Barbie Liberation Organization
1: I love that I have no idea that's so interesting I wonder if anybody still has any of those like at
0: the Strong National Museum of Play in Rochester New York we have an example of um, each of them which is why
1: (laughs) which is why I know this Which one do you have? Do you have we have both? Oh, nice! We have both a
0: a a Barbie and a GI Joe doll. That's amazing! Yeah,
2: cool, full set. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) they have tea time together. Um, Number five, the obelisk is also known as what mathematical symbol? The obelisk?
1: Okay, I don't know. It's a mathematical symbol. I I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah, what's
2: what's... it is uh, the division symbol. Oh, it has a name. Oh, oh it has <laughs> a name.
1: I was thinking like the shape. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I had no idea it was called an obelisk.
2: Um, number six, Edward James almost played an AP calculus teacher in what 80s movie? What's that movie that they're
0: in a, like a, uh, so like do the right thing or something like that? Where What is, okay, hold on.
1: Hold on. I, I'm not insane. say anything. What's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's the movie that it's like? Michelle Pfeiffer is there. Oh, and that's, also- that's the one with the gangster's paradise. That's That was 90s. Okay, not
0: that one. Yeah. The
1: one with... Lou Diamond Phillips? Yeah. What's that one? What's that movie? He was in a lot of movies. What's that movie I- that he's a teacher? Uh, but... He's a teacher! He- <laughs> he's a cool teacher. He flips his chair around. Uh, well, no, we're talking about Edward James Olmos. Yeah, but... Also, Lou Diamond Phillips. Was yeah, in this is movie? this the same movie? Three Hispanic, two two Hispanic actors with three names were in the same movie where they played teachers. <laughs> All right, I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's really, I understand your line of reasoning, but I don't. I do not know. <laughs>
0: I mean, you're asking stand, a girl who has not seen stand m- by me. It's like no. sounds like stand by me. I
1: mean, I thought do the right thing. Well, is it do the right thing? No, that's not what it, that's not oh, what boy. the thing is that I'm. Well, thinking then I don't of. know. Stand S- by me is the one with the boys find the dead body, right? And that's.
2: <laughs> 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 and judging by Billy's laughter, that's not the answer. That's not the answer. <laughs> <This question.
1: laughs> I can't think of the any whole like
2: movie. It's just them standing next to a dead body, <laughs> <laughs> going,
1: "Oh no." Oh, no. <laughs> Um, I cannot I cannot think of a high school movie in the eighties besides like sixteen candles or pretty in pink. You know, and he okay. wasn't in Maybe those. Pick, okay. I don't know. Pick throw out throw out a John Hughes right. movie. Uh, Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. It's Stand and Deliver. Stand and Deliver! Oh, See? So close. <laughs> uh, it is, oh. You were so close. I, I'm so sorry. I wish I could have helped you, but I I couldn't. Stand and Deliver, oh. not Stand by Me. And not Gangster's Paradise <laughs> or whatever that movie was called. I still don't remember what that movie is called. Very, All right. Good we'll question. We'll remember it for next time. <laughs> All right. Good. All
2: right. All right. We're doing okay. Here we go. Number seven. Dyscalculia is a learning disorder in which uh, students struggle with numbers and basic arithmetic concepts. Um, experts estimate that approximately how many elementary school students suffer from dyscalculia? between one to five percent. Between five to ten percent are between ten to fifteen percent. Hmm. I'm going to say five to ten percent. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Yeah, five to ten percent. Oh, uh, wow. The most common value I saw was seven uh, percent, which makes it almost as prevalent as reading dyslexia. Oh wow! Wow, uh, I didn't however- know that it had a different term. Yeah. Oh yeah. So people call it math dyslexia, but it's not necessarily that. Uh, people with dyscalculia might struggle. Uh, to tell which number is larger, like five or ten. Oh, um, okay. They have trouble remembering or recognizing phone numbers um, and associating the symbol five for the number five. Uh, it's not well understood, and there hasn't been a lot of research into the matter. Uh, so the seven percent is an estimate. Wow, huh? That's very
1: interesting. Yeah, because if you think about it, like the symbol of five, we all like know it as the concept of five. But if you can't, if you have a disorder where you don't mm-hmm. you know it's still a concept it's yeah. not like it's you know it's hard to learn if it if you don't grasp that as a concept so right. it's understandable crazy wow
2: and like if they roll die um they actually have to like count out oh, the tips sure. they don't see like oh i see that's 5 and 3 that's 8 you know easily yeah, yeah. um number 8 the uh, abscissa and ordinate are the alternative names for this duo
1: an ordinate.
0: I was, I was thinking
1: it has something to do with graphing. Okay, so the x and y axis. Yeah, yeah.
2: How about that? Okay, is that it? Yeah. So yes. basically, kind of, it is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, it's the x and y coordinate. Okay. So oh, okay. Abiska, um is the x coordinate, um, and I remember that because a lot of the abacuses that I've seen, you slide the pebbles horizontally okay yeah that makes sense um and the ordinate is the y-axis or the y-coordinate sorry interesting great uh number nine don't be scared this form of algebra is centered around three simple words or and and not
1: i know it do you know know i don't know what is it don't be scared lauren fearography (laughs) what (laughs) what (laughs) it's boolean Yes. Oh, Boolean. Oh, that's cute. That's Isn't that cute? cute. That, that was, was a good cute. question. <laughs> that's adorable. Perfect for this. Spirography. Sp- <laughs> <laughs> I was very close, I will say.
2: <laughs> um, and number ten, which is longer, a nautical mile or a statute mile? I feel like I look I looked this up at one point okay. with you.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it was for it was for one of your geography episodes. Do you know what it is? I I think it's a, a nautical mile. I, yeah, I think it's a nautical mile. That's my instinct.
2: Yes. yes. So the nautical mile is longer by uh, 0.15 uh, statute miles. And really, they shouldn't both have the term mile in them at all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's
0: confusing. It is very confusing. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the statue mile that we know and love uh, originates from uh, the Roman word mili passus, or 1,000 paces, uh, which measured to 5,000 feet, uh, which I don't know what kind of length of step they had. <laughs> five, <laughs> five feet of step. Yeah. Wow, that's a good yeah, stride. That's a good stretch, yeah. We're,
1: we're Romans. Things are chasing you. <laughs> we're you are <know>? so big. You <laughs> have such long strides.
2: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, today is Statute Mile. Equals uh, 5,280 feet, thanks to Queen Elizabeth, the first who made a push to make the foot uh, shorter. Uh, a nautical mile, on the other hand, is equal to one minute latitude. Oh, uh, okay. And 60 minutes of latitude equals uh, one degree of latitude. And one degree is approximately 69 miles. Bet you won't, forget that. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's nice. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah.
2: Wow.
1: Awesome. Thank, thank you, Bailey. Bailey. That was so thank good. You. It I, was a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thank you for expanding our brains even further with more math stuff. And uh, and yeah, if you um, want to email us and tell us how great of a job Bailey did, uh, you can email us at MissInfoPod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us. Personally, I would love that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> please do that. Please do that. Uh, you can tweet at us at MissInfoPod. Uh, you can go to our Facebook page, misinformation, colon, a trivia podcast. Uh, and you can also just go to our website, www.missinfopod.com.
0: You can listen to us on our website and you can also listen to us wherever you
1: listen to podcasts. Please, rate, review, and subscribe. Tell a friend. And uh, thank you again to Bailey. Thank you, Bailey. Thank you, Bailey. And uh, we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.